There is a, a, a crazy story uh, in the news just the last couple of weeks. It was a woman uh, in Colorado that was uh, driving. She's from Colorado Springs, and she was on a, kind of a back road outside of Colorado Springs, and she noticed an animal laying in the road, and it uh, looked like it was hurt. And so she stopped her car, and she got out, and she walked over to the animal, and sure enough, the animal was hurt, and it was hurt pretty bad. So she picked it up, and she put it on the back seat of her car uh, to try to take it to get some help. And let's still picture that animal up on the screen. Anybody know what that is? That's a bobcat. Now, here's what was unbelievable. You know, if that wasn't unbelievable enough, her little child was sitting on the back seat where she placed the bobcat. Now, look, look at the teeth on that bobcat. Now, either this is a child that you're hoping to get rid of, <laughs> or you're not really thinking this all the way through. Now, when I read this story and I saw the picture, I just, I started laughing and I kept thinking to myself, I wonder how many times this woman, you know, looked at this child and said, put your seatbelt on, eat your vegetables, don't play in the street, you'll poke your eye out. You know, I mean, how many times? And she puts a bobcat, wounded bobcat on the seat beside her child. Well, sometimes smart people do really stupid things. Amen. Now, I want to I talk about that idea today. We've been in this series called Upside Down, and we've been talking about the fact that uh, Jesus just looks at this world differently than we do. And in many different ways, he flips it upside down and says, people think this, but it's really this. And there's a great verse uh, in 1 Corinthians 1 where Paul talks about this when it term, comes to terms of intelligence and what people think is wise or fully. So if you uh, want to take your sermon, out, sermon outline out, you can track along with me if you want. Um, also, if you'd like to uh, follow the verses in a Bible, there are Bibles in the back of the pews in front of you, and those are our gift to you. If you would like to take a Bible home for yourself or for someone else, please feel free to do that. But I want you to look with me at a text of Scripture. Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, and I want you to look at what he says. You ready? Here we go. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say, it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. I want to read that again. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now read this last sentence out loud with me. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. I, uh, I kind of stepped back this week, and I just kind of took a look at our faith, and I started laughing, because when you, when you think about what it really means to be a Christ follower uh, in the 21st century, there is so much about our faith that people look at and they just shake your heads and go, you guys are just silly to believe those things. But Paul says it's in our willingness to believe some foolish things 
that actually make us wise. Now, let's unpack this together today. I want this to be an encouragement to you. So, so what are some of those foolish beliefs that can make us wise? Are you ready? Here we go. Here's the first one. Are you foolish enough to believe in God? Are you foolish enough to believe in God? You do understand there are a lot of people that say smart people don't believe in God. Why would you believe uh, in some imaginary being? Why would you believe um, that there is something behind all of this when it not it obvious that all of this just happened? Um, and we have to acknowledge, don't we? I mean, if somebody comes up to you and says, I want you to prove to me there's a God, well, I can't prove to you there's a God. Uh, God's not gonna just come down and show himself and make himself that, known that way, and, and I can't necessarily do that. But would you agree with me? I still think there's a lot of evidence for the fact that there is a God. In fact, I, I love what, the, the, the Bible is really, really clear that for us to believe in God, it really is a step of faith. Look that up on the screen. I love what the Hebrew writer says. He says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. Read it with me. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you that. It is a step of faith to believe in God. But here's what I wanna, I wanna say to you. As I worked some of this stuff through in my younger years of, of, of dealing with some of my own doubts, one of the things that became so apparent to me is it takes a lot greater faith for me to believe that there is no God than to believe that there is one. It, it, it takes a lot of faith for me to believe that, um, that, the, that life as we know it came from nothing without any help. That order came out of disorder. And it totally goes against anything that we know in our human nature. I mean, that, you know, the, if, you, if you look at the science, it just says, well, they had all these ingredients close at hand and they all just you know, kind of magically by themselves came together to, to form these perfectly organized systems and things. And, and everything we know about life, that doesn't make sense. I mean, think this thought with me. If, if, if you took all the, of the parts of a vacuum cleaner and left them in the living room, how long do you have to you think you'd have to go away for before you came back and all of those parts of the vacuum cleaner magically find themselves together in exactly where they needed to be and plug themselves in and vacuum the room? How many of you go, that would take a while? Or how about if you, if you put half of the vacuum cleaner together and left the rest of the parts there? How about if you left the vacuum cleaner in the living room unplugged? Do you really believe you could go away long enough that it would just magically find the power source on its own? How many of you have, are smart enough to know you could leave that vacuum cleaner at home in the living room plugged in with three men and it still would never get vacuumed? <laughs> and all God's people said... <laughs> There, there, <laughs> there are things that just don't make sense. Um, this last week, so funny, we had a, a group in here uh, on Thursday or Friday that were, um, they were a sound company and they were doing a demo on some speakers for a group and we had made our facility available to them. And uh, I was here at the end of the day, and, and they were wrapping up, and, and I came down just to, 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 to see what they were doing. And as they were packing up, the owner came out and, and just introduced himself to me and said, hey, pastor, thank you so much for letting us use your sanctuary. And I said, hey, no problem. And we came in, and he pointed to this, this rock wall, and um, he said, that is so beautiful. 
And he said, you know, I thought it was just a facade. And he said, I came up to it and he said, I realized that that's rock. And I said, yeah, that's actually Oklahoma River rock. And I said, I was back here in the 80s when we built this. I was here as a youth pastor when we built this. And, and I'd been working on my message and, and he said, well, who did this? And everything in me to, to not just be a smart aleck and go, oh, nobody, it just happened. You know, they just dumped a whole bunch of you know, Oklahoma River Rock right here, and, and we came in one day, and it magically formed itself together into a wall. And everybody would go, you're out of your mind. Well, of course I'm out of our mind. Because where you see a creation, you know there's a creator. Where you see a design, you know there is a designer. Where you see a building, you know there is a builder. Amen? And there are some things that the world may call that foolish to believe in God, but I just think that's a lot more wise than believing that all of this just happened on its own. Um, I, I read a book a while back called Counting to God. Um, the author is um, a guy by the name of uh, Douglas L. Throw Douglas picture up here. Really sharp, sharp guy. Um, Douglas uh, grew up as an atheist, but he, ended up, he went to MIT, and he got two, two degrees. He had a double major. He majored in mathematics uh, and in biology. I think some of our favorite subjects, huh? And um, he, after he got, his, got a, a double major in that, he actually went on and got his master's degree in higher mathematics and then ended up eventually going into law. This is a really, really smart man. Douglas said that he was, as he was working through a lot of the biology, he said it became clearer and clearer to him that all of this Darwinian theory that he had been taught uh, all of his life about how things would just come together, he said it didn't make any sense. He said they were trying to jump, you know, jump over hurdles in biology that you just can't jump over. He said they were trying to make believe that things could happen that really couldn't happen. And he said, then the mathematician in me kicked in. And he said, as I put the, the math to it, he said it did, really didn't make sense then. And I want, I, want to, I want you to hear what he said. I thought this was so wild. He said, at one point, the math nerd in me could not help but calculate, literally, on the back of an envelope in an airplane, the fantastic improbability that a single functional protein was ever created by accident in the history of the universe. He said, I was thunderstruck. It was an aha moment. I remember staring at the calculations in disbelief. Couldn't others do the math? Couldn't they see what seemed to be so obvious? It was a no-brainer. And he said, it was at that moment I knew modern science supported belief in God. Because he got honest. You see, the wise really aren't all that wise a lot of times they just want to deny what really would be so obvious if they would really put their brains to it. Does this make sense to you? Later on, Douglas L. talks about the fact that the, the big lie that he called, is, you know, that, that was perpetuated. He said once it got going in science that all of this had to happen without a God. He said everything that's happened since then has tried to support this big lie. And he said he, he compared it to uh, the, the lie that, his, uh, that Hitler tried to promote uh, in order to carry out his plan. And here's what he says. He says for a big lie to corrupt, people have to want to believe it's true. He says, Hitler's lies were embraced by a population who wanted to avenge the First World War, who wanted to believe in racial superiority. He said, today, many people don't want there to be a God. 
They don't want moral rules, limits on what they should say or do, and they certainly don't want to get out of bed and go to worship. He said, many people will tell you that even if the existence of God were an absolutely proven scientific fact, he says, which it is to me, they would still continue to think that there must be some other explanation. And I love how he concluded this part. He goes, friends don't let friends be atheists. (laughs) I just thought that was cute. Friends don't let friends be atheists. Let's fight the big lies together and defeat the atheist paradigm of a hopeless world. Tell people science reveals God. Share the truth. Are you foolish enough to believe there is a God? Because if you're foolish enough to believe that, you've just taken a step toward wisdom. Are you foolish enough to believe in Jesus? Are you foolish enough to believe in Jesus? Are you foolish enough to believe that there was this character in history named Jesus Christ who lived on this earth? You do know that many people believe Jesus didn't exist. They believe that it's just made up, that he really, in fact, wasn't even a piece of history, which is just so, so crazy to me because there's more documented evidence of Jesus Christ in in history than there is of almost any other historical figure when you go back into antiquity. For example, everybody, you talk about Julius Caesar and everybody believes, oh, of course there's a Julius Caesar. But the earliest writings we have about Julius Caesar are 1,100 years after Julius Caesar existed. We have documents that date, that talk about Jesus Christ that are within just a few decades of when Jesus walked on this earth. And yet people doubt it. Why? Because they want to. Even secular history mentions Jesus. If you read uh, Josephus' antiquities, Josephus was a Jew. He was not a Christian. He was not a Christ follower. But two different places in his antiquities writing, he talks about this Jesus. One point he talks about how Jesus' brother, uh, that there was this uh, conspiracy against him through the Roman government and that they actually executed him unlawfully. And they said they named him, he said this was, this was James, the brother of Jesus, who is also called the Christ. Then there's a, a, a Roman senator by the name of Tacitus. And Tacitus was, was one, he also wrote a, a lot of history. And in his, one of his writing, two, actually a couple places in his writing, he talks about Jesus too. He talks about the fact that Nero, as an emperor, was crucifying all these Christians. And he goes on to say these Christians were named after Christos, who was put to death by Pontius Pilate, who was a procreator in, in that area. So again, let's step back for a second and just be honest. I mean, people may not want to believe, and they may tell you you're silly to believe, but I'm going to tell you, you need to be foolish enough to believe that Jesus Christ really did exist. Because if you can't believe he existed, then you can't believe about anyone in history. Amen? And not only that, but do you believe Jesus really was who he claimed to be? You see, Jesus didn't just claim to be a man or a teacher or even a prophet. Are you ready for this? He claimed to be God. He claimed to be God. Throw that passage of scripture up on the screen. And Jesus told him, read it with me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. In fact, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Do you look, do you understand what that statement is all about? Philip's telling Jesus, show us the Father and we'll believe. And Jesus says, look at this. This is the Father. The Word became flesh and lived among us. 
And for the first time in history, we got to see what God was really like. Do you believe that's who he was? Paul did. Throw that up on the screen. Colossians. Paul said, read it with me, church. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme in all creation. Now, why this is so important is that it's not just about a Jesus who lived in history and did things for people back then. This is a Christ who the Bible says was resurrected from the dead, whose spirit lives among us today, and who is still changing lives today. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5 says, if any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creation. The old is gone and all things become new. Look at me. Make eye contact. Do you believe, not only that Jesus existed, but do you believe he can radically, dramatically change your life? Because I want to tell you, if you're foolish enough to believe that, there is no limit to what God can do in you and through you. Amen. Throw that picture up there for me. This young lady, um, her name is Hongyi Yang. She was from China. Um, she said that when she grew up in her growing up years, she only knew one Christian her entire life. And then uh, later, uh, in, as her early adult years, she came to the United States uh, as a foreign exchange student and landed in Dallas, Texas. Now, here's a, a gal who grew up as an atheist who believed from the bottom of her heart that the only way through life is you have to make your own way. And now she's in Dallas. She's on, in the buckle of the Bible belt. And she said, I was surrounded on all sides by Christians and these churches. And she had never heard these stories before. And she said, I've got to be honest. She goes, when I heard the stories of Jesus, she said, they were silly to me. And she talked about actually in her testimony, how about that second Corinthians, first Corinthians one passage that we just read, how that was really her. It just seemed such foolishness. What God would come to earth? What God would give his life for man? What, what God would allow himself to be crucified on a cross? She said, I mocked Christians. I made fun of them. She said, but the more I was around them, she said, I, I began to feel something move in my heart. And she said, I actually began to listen. And then once she went with a friend who invited her to a, a two-day conference by some Bible teachers. And, and she said, I sat for two days and I listened to these teachers talk about Jesus. And she said, and my heart began to move. And she said, I knew deep down in my heart that what they were saying was true. And as she continued to search it out, Mishang, for herself, surrendered her life to Jesus Christ. And she talked about this Jesus. She said, he not only existed, he exists still. He's not only changed me, he is continuing to change me each and every day. This sharp, incredible young lady who came over here to get a career in a whole different, in a whole different area, can you believe this, is now an associate uh, a professor of systematic theology at Southwestern Seminary in Dallas, Texas. Why? Because this Jesus still changes lives. Amen? Are you foolish enough to believe the Bible? Are you foolish enough to believe the Bible? You know, a lot of people will tell you that the Bible's not accurate. A lot of people will tell you that the Bible is just a collection of mythology that some people wrote down and hoped to be true. 
There'll be a lot of people who say that it's filled with contradictions and it really doesn't prove anything at all. But if you're foolish enough to believe the Bible, I believe the Bible can change your life. Um, what does the Bible say about itself? Though the passage of Scripture up Here's what Paul said to, to Timothy. He said, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. Read it with me, church. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now, what's amazing to me is how many people just week after week will share with me how they were facing a struggle, they were in the middle of some problem, they were dealing with something that was overwhelming to them, and they were opened the Bible and God gave them a verse that they needed just at that moment in time to hold on to, to get through that moment. How many of you have had such an experience? And that's how God uses his word. And if you're foolish enough to read the Bible, if you're foolish enough to spend time in God's word, here's what I can promise you. He'll change your life. And he'll shape you. He'll shape you into the man or woman that you really are wanting to be. Um, there's a, a, a guy, throw that picture up here. That's a guy named, named Bernie. Bernie Dempty was um, an IT guy. He created a, a company uh, several years ago. And he and his partners uh, were taking the company worldwide. And Bernie described himself. He said, you know, he said, uh, man, he said, my life was just a ball of success. He said, you know, I was, I was making more and more money. I was visiting exotic places. I had all the toys anybody could want. But then he, he makes a statement. He said, you know, I found that the more that I had, the more empty I felt. He said, then one night, a few years back, uh, he was in Brisbane. Uh, Australia. He said, I can still tell you I was staying in room 814. And he goes, in that particular morning, he said, I got up and I walked out on, on the balcony and he said, I was looking down at the pavement and he said, to be quite honest, I wanted to throw myself over the edge. He said, it was almost like a voice was calling me over the edge. He said, but the night before, I had done something kind of out of character. He said, the night before, I couldn't find anything to watch on TV, so I opened the drawer beside my bed, and he said, I found a Bible that had been placed there by some Gideons. And he said, and I picked this Bible up, and I just started reading. And he said, as I stood there at that balcony, trying to decide whether or not I was going to throw myself over the edge, listening to this voice telling me to throw myself over the edge, he said, I began to hear this other voice. And he goes, and I knew that those scriptures I had read the night before was God's voice to me telling me he wanted me to live. And Bernie turned around from that balcony, went back into his room, and he knelt down beside his, head, beside his bed, and Bernie said, I cried out to God for the first time in my life, and I said, Lord, I don't know if you're there or not, but if you are, this would be a great time to show up. And God did show up. Now, I want to tell you, there's a lot of people who believe that God's word is foolishness, but I'm going to tell you, it is God's gift to you. It is what God will use in those difficult times to give you something to hold on to, and it was what God will use to shape you into who you really want to be. Can I give you one more? Are you foolish enough to believe 
that God cares about you or listens to you? I mean, if you do believe in God, this deity out there who created all this, and if you do believe that he came to earth as Jesus Christ, and if you do believe that he gave us his word, do do you really believe that this God who did that, do you really believe he cares about you? Because he says he does. This God who created us wants to be so much more than just a God to us. He wants to be actively involved in our lives. Amen? I love when we read scripture over and over again, it talks about us leaning into God. Throw that passage up on the screen. I love this from 1 Peter 5, 7. Read it with me. Give all your worries and cares to God for he, he does what? He cares about you. God cares about what kind of week you had. God cares about what you've gone through. God cares about what you're facing in this week to come. You need to know there is no one in the universe who cares more about you than your heavenly father. Why do we, why do we pray? Why, why is, is, is prayer of any good? Well, look, look again what James says about, about us even having a chance to, to talk to God. Read it with me, church. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Do you really believe, do you really believe that when you cry out to God, he hears you and he responds? Why would a God do that? I wrote a devotional uh, a few weeks ago, you know, telling the story about a family from Tennessee that were in Florida this summer, and they were in Panama City, and the, the daughters were swimming out in the surf, and the youngest daughter, who was 16, um, got out a little bit too far and got caught in a riptide and couldn't get back, and she began to yell for help. Her two older sisters were both also swimming in the surf, and they swam out to her to try to pour back, but they too got caught, and they couldn't get back. The three of them were, were, were screaming for help, and uh, the father and a, and a son-in-law were on, on the beach, and they began to go out. The, the son-in-law was on a, a, a board, and he was heading out, and the father, who was a good swimmer, made his way out, and he got out to where his daughters were, and one by one, he began to push his daughters to the board uh, so that they could hold on and, and get to safety. After he pushed his younger daughter on onto the board, um, the father ran out of strength, and he ended up dying in the rescue. What, what I thought was interesting as they were um, interviewing the family and they were talking about this incredibly heroic thing that he did for his daughters. The mother looked at the reporter and she said, you know, he did what good fathers do. Good fathers are willing to lay down their life for their daughters. Look at me. This is just not a God you serve. This is a good, good father. This is a father who knows all about you, who cares deeply for you, who's attentive to your every cry, and who wants to be intimately involved in your life. 
And I believe if you're foolish enough like I am to believe that God cares and listens, I believe he can lighten your burden. He can change your life. And he can help you through every circumstance. Amen. Rachel, why don't you go ahead and come on back. I'm going to ask my prayer partners if they would go ahead and uh, take their places as well. This morning, what do you believe? The world says you're foolish to believe a word I said today. The world says you're just ignorant if you believe there's a God, ignorant to believe that there's a Jesus, ignorant to believe his word, and ignorant if you believe that you have some invisible friend who really cares about you. But I'm going to tell you, if you're foolish enough to believe those things, God says you are really, really wise, and you're off to a better life. And this morning, I just want to encourage you to to turn to him. If this morning, if you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never acknowledged he's the Savior and Lord, the Bible says when we confess our sin, when we acknowledge before God that we need him to save our life and to turn us around, he's willing to not only forgive our past, but he's willing to walk with us toward a brand new future. And today you can take the first step of a whole new journey These people that I shared with you in my message this morning are real people with real lives and real struggles just like you. But they found an answer. They found that God is real. Jesus is real. His word is real. And he is here for you. There may be some of you this morning that um, you, you believe in God. You're walking with God. Maybe you're just going through a, a difficult place and Maybe you just need the assurance today. God really does care. God really does listen. And this morning during these next few moments, maybe for you it's just an opportunity to kind of open your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, you know what I'm going through. I need you. And you can do that right where you are while we sing this song. Or you can slip out and kneel here in an altar if you would like to have that kind of moment. We also have four prayer partners stationed around the sanctuary. Maybe this morning... A helpful thing for you would just be to have someone pray with you. You can tell them as much about the situation as you want, or you don't have to say anything at all. But I've just found that sometimes it helps just to have somebody pray over me. And this morning, if you want to do that while we sing this song, I invite you just to slip out and come to any one of our prayer partners, and they'll be happy just to pray a very simple prayer over you. I believe God is real, I believe Jesus Christ is real. I'm foolish enough to believe that he sees us this morning and that he cares about each one of us. Are you foolish enough to believe that too? Let's pray together. Our fathers, we come to you today. Um, We're reminded from your word that sometimes the things that we believe in, the world thinks they're foolish. But Father, I thank you for each and every one of them. I thank you for the way that you have revealed yourself to us. I thank you for how you loved us enough to send your son Jesus. I thank you for how you prepared your word to be a guide for our path each and every day. And I thank you so much, Lord, that you are not a God who stands away off somewhere, but that you're a God who is right here 
who sees everything that we go through and who draws near. And Father, I pray that you would put your arm around each and every person in this room today. And Lord, however it is that they need you to care about them, whatever it is that they need you to listen to today, I pray that they would discover the experience of just being able to put the full weight of all of that upon you. Your shoulders are big enough to carry those things that our shoulders just can't. So, Father, as we leave this place and we go back out into this world, remind us that um, smart people aren't always that smart. Sometimes you use the foolish to confound the wise. And we pray that you would use our foolish lives to change this world. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said, amen.